Hey there, boys and girls. It is December 14th, 2017, and you're listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Isaac, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, car whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's the day before Star Wars, or in some places, it is the day of Star Wars. So that's cool. If you guys are listening on, on uh, Anchor FM, you may have heard some Brother Tiger playing ahead of this uh, really cool guy, kind of... Mm, Kind of similar to M83. I don't know. He does a lot of his own stuff. Pretty interesting. But anyway, he's covering some Tears for Fears. So guys, if you want to get some music ahead of your podcast, feel free to check us out on uh, Anchor FM. Always a good way to listen. Anyway, this episode's going to be the usual three-act fair. <coughs> Excuse me. Going to talk first about the seventh-generation Volkswagen Jetta. Pictures released online, at least sketches anyway, of the car before it debuts at the North American International Auto Show. Some uh, early test drives have been done as well. So some thoughts on that. Second up, we're going to talk about GM's partnership with Hashtag Brands. Uh, They're going to start advertising in your car and giving you other things. There's a lot to break down in that. And then lastly, I may have talked about this car before. We're going to talk about it again. Who knows? (coughs) Excuse me. The first generation Lexus LS. The great F1 project. Uh, Yeah. So, with all that and more, guys, follow up after the bump. We'll talk about the Volkswagen Jetta. So, Volkswagen started sprinkling out information about the 7th generation Jetta uh, due for 2019. And, man, there there are a lot of ups and downs on this car. Um, On the one hand, you know, Volkswagen has done very well with the current Golf, which is technically the 7th generation Golf. Uh, It's based on the MQB architecture, the same platform that does duty on dozens of Volkswagens and Audis and Seats and Skodas and whatever else uh, all across the world. Uh, This is a very good platform. They're finally moving the Jetta to it. Um, But in doing so, uh, Volkswagen is also cutting a few things that have been really well regarded about the MQB chassis. Uh, More specifically, we're losing the multi-link rear suspension. So no longer are we going to have four independent corners. We're going to have a torsion beam rear suspension on the new Jetta, which is super unfortunate. They're cutting costs uh, by removing engine options. Uh, So we're losing the 1.8 turbo, and they're going to go with just the 1.4 liter turbo. Uh, It's... It's a weird thing. Um, Jetta is, you know, it's a car that, on the one hand, the best Jettas in my mind, the MK2, uh, you know, was a utilitarian vehicle that was lightweight, fun to drive, but kind of boring to look at, and that was kind of the point. On the other hand, one of the other better Jettas was the MK4, and the MK4 was, you know, really penalized a lot for being not very reliable, um, being built somewhat shoddily, at least in the United States with the Mexican-built Jettas. Um, you know, but in the, in the long run, that's a design that I feel like is fairly timeless, both inside and out, and the performance is still interesting. I don't know. It's a great car. This new Jetta kind of walks a weird line where they're taking a lot of what they think people want, which is a lot of content, but not a lot of other stuff. So they're taking away all the mechanical things that have made this car great in the past. And it's just, it's a lot of compromises that I'm just not, I'm not interested in. We're still paying for their mistakes on the Dieselgate situation. And it's really unfortunate because the Jetta can be a great car. And it should be a great car. It should be, I don't want to say the third 
option to the Civic and Corolla, but there's no reason why it couldn't be. And it's just really disappointing that Volkswagen is trying to take this car in such a strange direction with size and performance and whatever. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, this car's going to be three inches longer than the current Civic. The current Civic is a huge car. Like, that's just a massive Volkswagen. So I don't know... Hmm. I just, I don't know what this car is supposed to be. <clears throat> if it's going to be gobbling up Passat-sized sales at this size rate, why do we still have the Passat? If the Passat's going away, is it just going to be the Jetta and the Artin being the, uh, or Ayrton, or however they pronounce it? Are those going to be the two sedans in the lineup? I don't know. It's just a weird way to do things. And it's just further, a bigger sign to me that Volkswagen in North America has no idea what they're doing when it comes to designing, building, and selling these vehicles, and they just need to just let the European officers come in and just handle it. But the reality of the situation is that's probably never going to happen, and it's very unfortunate. So I guess we'll see what this Jetta officially looks like at the North American International Auto Show in January. That's the Detroit show. Color me interested. I mean, I'm... I'm a Jetta fan from way back. You know, it's going to take a lot more than them taking away a rear suspension setup to push me out. But the problem is, is that the current MK6 Jetta is so good that I just, I don't want them to fuck it up. And it looks like they're going to do that. And it's just so disappointing. But if you guys have seen the sketches, if you guys have read the first drive review from Chubba over at Crime Driver. Uh, let me know what you guys think. I'd be interested to hear. Hit me up on Twitter at YSSMAN or give me a call back here on Anchor FM at YSSMAN. Thank you. So announced late last week, uh, General Motors was happy to let us all know that they partnered with Hashtag Brands to offer in-car marketplace options for you as a driver uh, taking your car out about the town. Um, marketplace partnerships are going to be done where the hashtag brands are going to spend money and give it directly to General Motors, who is then going to directly influence the system that's in your vehicle to have things like TGI Fridays and Applebee's highlighted on your maps so that you know to go to those locations to have a delicious dinner with your partner. Uh, they're going to have Exxon Mobil and Shell featured on your dashboard to let you know that when you need to get 89 octane fuel for your Buick Enclave, uh, that you go to those two partners, uh, you know, making sure that they get their deals. You know, hey, you're thirsty for a cup of coffee, you need a little more energy as you're driving down the highway, going down to Disney World with the family. Well, hey, you can order your Starbucks and your Dunkin' Donuts and have it ready to go right when you get through the drive-thru, all through your dashboard of your GM uh, system in your new Chevrolet Camaro. How does that make you feel? Is that weird? I think it's pretty fucking weird that you can get served ads in your car by companies who pay GM, not you, to have these ads in your vehicle. I don't know how I feel about this. This is just, it's, it's getting to be too much. You know, on the one hand, I can say, sure, it's great to be able to order Starbucks that way. But why should Starbucks be the one who's paying for it when you can just turn your phone on and do it that way? It's weird. I don't, I don't know who they're targeting with this. If it's millennials, 
I don't think this is the way to get our attention because one, we can't afford to buy a new Buick Enclave or a new Chevrolet Tahoe or whatever. Two, if it's the gener our parents' generation, whatever you want to call it, Generation X, a boomer generation, whatever, <sighs> are they going to even know how to operate the system to get these things to work? I have my doubts because I know that my grandpa can't get past the radio station on his OnStar or what is it, uh, MyLink, whatever system in his, uh, his Tahoe. I mean, holy cow, guys. Like, this is, this is crazy. This is getting to be too much. You know, GM is talking like they want to compare this to the Alexa integration that some cars have. So I believe it's Hyundai and Ford are the two automakers who are introducing Alexa um, things to your vehicle where you can control your smart home and other things through that which is already shady enough as it is i i don't know there was other news today that peugeot or i think it was peugeot it was some french automaker maybe it wasn't peugeot maybe it was renault one of the two anyway french automaker is buying a media company to be able to deliver content to yourself your your autopilot car so when the robots are driving your car and you want to catch up with some news or tv or whatever They'll have a media company that can serve you that. That's just crazy. Like, this is... Uh, it's weird. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Ugh. Hmm. I mean, what's, what's the way to make this work? On the one hand, I go, okay, I can order dinner and make a food reservation or wherever else in my vehicle. That sounds good. But it shouldn't be something where I have to have you know, Applebee's pay GM to serve me that ad. That's weird. It should be something where if I'm hooking up my phone to the car and I'm running Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, my Taco Bell app works through the thing or it recognizes that I'm close. I don't, I don't know. There's just not an easy way to make this good. And the question then becomes, you know, if they're tracking the location of your car and they're telling you that you're close to a Shell station and then you should go to Shell... What else? Where else are they tracking your car? Like, it's just, ah, hmm, hmm. It's weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm being crazy. Maybe I need to fold up my tinfoil hat a little bit tighter. <sighs> if you guys got opinions, you know what to do. But uh, follow up after the bump. We'll talk about another car. So the Lexus LS is on my mind uh, because we've got an all-new LS that's starting to hit the streets. Our, uh, well, it's a 2018 model year, but it's not going to be out until a little bit deeper in the year. Um, yeah, the new LS is a bit of a departure from the previous ones. Always a pretty conservative vehicle. This new LS is much more of a designed vehicle. Think of kind of how the LC has been interpreted since that launched uh, earlier this year. Or maybe the, uh, the e, not the ES, the uh, GS before. It's got that kind of flame-surfaced styling with the big Gillette Razor grill. Uh, this new one kind of takes a lot of those cues and runs with it, and I really like it an awful lot, even though uh, early reviews are kind of limited thus far. Um, but really what it comes down to is, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about the first generation LS on this show, so we're going to hone in a little bit more on the second generation Lexus LS and really kind of how it 
evolved the first generation car. So the uh, second generation LS ran from uh, 95 to 2000 uh, here in the US. And it was mostly a basic, slightly evolved version of the first generation. So the styling didn't change much uh, inside and out, which is a good thing. Um, but what it did add is a lot of refinements that kind of needed to happen as time moved on. So, you know, got dual zone climate control, I got a few more cup holders, and eventually became the first car made available with radar cruise control, which is on everything now. Um, it was one of the first cars to get, uh, you know, a CD-ROM based uh, GPS system. Uh, it was one of the first cars to get, you know, really a lot of things that we consider pretty normal today. And, you know, these cars were put out the door for 50 grand or so for the base trim models. And when you think about how much 50 grand was in the late 90s or mid late 90s, you know, it was a lot, but it wasn't a ton of money. And compared to the S class and the 7 series that this would have been, you know, brought up against, this car just creamed them. Like it creamed them on quality. It creamed them on refinement, it creamed them on performance in some instances. Like, this car kind of just came out of nowhere, and it took the Germans a decade, over a decade, really, to be able to surpass this vehicle as a great luxury icon. You know, nowadays, you talk about the big luxury cars. Which one would you buy? You know, I think you're going to get a lot of people who say the S-Class. I, I would consider myself to be in the group that would say that the S-Class is the pinnacle of luxury vehicles, but wind the clock back 20 years in 1997, I think most people would have said a Lexus LS. And I have to admit, you know, 20 years after, if I wanted to buy a cheap, well, relatively cheap, uh, used luxury vehicle, I'd get an LS before I'd get anything else because one, they're going to run forever. Those four liter V8s were tough as nails, designed to run. You know, they're just, they're great powertrains. Uh, the four-speed and five-speed automatics, great units from Toyota. They lasted a really long time. I think they might even still be in use on a couple of vehicles. Uh, but, man, just over-engineered, over... I, uh, I don't even know what to say. It's just such a good car. And the weird thing is, is that I don't know... Like, if I was going to pick an LS that was the most influential model... Like, obviously the first generation was a pretty big deal, but I really think the second generation is the one that kind of took hold of the market. Uh, it's the one I think you, people tend to see the most of. I think it's the one that more people tend to identify as the car that you go towards. And, I, and that's that's got to be fairly rare. Maybe not super rare. I don't know. I, I'm thinking of second generation models that exceeded the expectations of the first and the only other car I can really think of, at least off the top of my head right now, where the second generation was the version, not the first, is, the, is with the uh, Chevrolet Corvette, where the C2 is the one that more people identify, <coughs> excuse me, as the Corvette, not the C1. I don't know. But in that instance, the C2 was a big revelation compared to the first, where this, with the LS, the second generation, I think, was more popular than the first. I don't know. Anyway... The Lexus LS is a great car. I'm really excited to see this new one on the streets. I hope you are too. Uh, but we'll wrap everything up here after the boat. Alright guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host Brad Eiseldyke and you can reach out to me at YSSMAN on Twitter. 
Uh, you can also uh, hit me up with any comments on uh, Anchor FM. I believe what is it? Anchor FM. Anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. Eh, it's a place. Anyway, you can also listen to this podcast wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, eh, wherever. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Let people know that I do do the Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide, uh, where I like to talk about a segment of cars. Uh, pick the top three ones that I think are the best choices for you to make. Maybe even make a trim level recommendation. And then I usually add one more for flavor. Uh, sometimes that fourth option can be one that I think is an interesting choice, or maybe is a choice that needs a little more attention uh, in the market, or maybe it's just something that I personally like. I don't know. But anyway, that's a thing. I gotta do one more of those. I think we gotta do an EV one because uh, electric vehicles are pretty important to me and as electric vehicle sales continue to grow um, and, and as more people consider those options, I think it's worth talking about. So maybe we'll do that pretty soon here. Um, as far as other things goes, hey guys, Star Wars is out tomorrow. If you're going to see Star Wars, I hope you enjoy it. I hope I enjoy it tonight. I got my tickets. Uh, so consider this a promotion for Disney for the Star Wars brand for whatever. Um, and just as a quick aside, have you guys seen that really weird commercial for Nissan where this girl is like at the dealership and she's waving a key around and she decides to buy a Nissan Rogue and then she's driving down the road with her dad and like all of a sudden they're like on the Death Star or something, I don't know. And she's about to run down Captain Phasma and she stops automatically. Whoa, whose side are you on Nissan? Like, don't get me wrong, I love Stormtroopers. I love Captain Phasma. That's a whole another topic to get into on some other podcast. Uh, but you could solve a lot of problems by running down stormtroopers at Captain Phasma. So don't lie to us, Nissan. If you're supporting the New First Order, this isn't a good way to do it. Anyway, yeah, that's a tangent. So uh, with all that in mind, guys, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a great Star Wars weekend. Uh, if you guys have any comments, you know where to get me. Eh, I'm out of things to say. Have a great night, guys. See ya next time.